Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. I am in Decatur, Illinois, at the Farm Progress Show site. That's not far away now, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. We're here for a Farm Progress Show preview, also a crop condition report for the state of Illinois. Our program brought to you by Syngenta. We'll be talking with Matt Youngman, National Events Manager for Farm Progress, host farmer David Bricks, and NK agronomist Craig Mackey, all coming up on today's program. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. We're going to start things off, though, talking with Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. And, Kurt, I want to get reaction. It, It looks like... Uh, the Biden administration is going to delay even further the announcement of the RVO levels. And, I mean, we're waiting for the 2021 levels, and here we are almost through July. So um, these have been late before, but this one may get really late. Your reaction to that? Well, it's it's unfortunate for sure. And obviously, we've seen the reporting. We've been engaged with uh, members both on the Hill and at the agency to try to uh, gather intelligence as to what might be causing the delay. It is unfortunate because, as you mentioned, uh, this is the rule that should have been finalized by November 30th of last year, setting volumes for 2021 and for 2022. So we've got producers uh, active in the marketplace right now with very little clarity or certainty in terms of what these volumes are going to be for this year and for next. So we're hopeful that they they, they will be uh, – release soon so that we can take a look at them, comment on them, and get them finalized um, as quickly as possible. What we believe is behind the delay is, once again, a handful of oil refiners who uh, would like to kill the program, uh, you know, trotting out their same old tired arguments about how the renewable fuel standard uh, harms them financially and could lead to uh, the layoff of of, uh, refiner workers uh, around the country. We all know that these arguments are false. Uh, It's the same old arguments that they used with the previous administration. It's just really disappointing that this administration is even listening to these arguments. This is a president that ran on uh, supporting the renewable fuel standards, supporting growth, ending the loopholes of granting uh, exemptions to refiners that that the Trump administration uh, abused. So the fact that it's even being delayed is causing concern. But I would certainly hope that this president will will follow through on his word, uh, support low-carbon petroleum fuel alternatives that are produced throughout the heartland around right around Decatur, Illinois, uh, and other states throughout the Midwest. I mentioned this the other day. For an administration that seems to want to do everything the opposite of what the Trump administration did, they're taking the same path on this. If they're trying to find this way that they can appease both the oil industry and the biofuels industry, that's a rabbit hole that we've been down the last four years. They couldn't find a, a, that solution or that middle ground. And I wish them luck, but uh, it's like uh, if they get it, they ought to get the Nobel Peace Prize because no one's found that solution yet. That's right, and it's it's deja vu all over again, and it's certainly not something that we would have expected from this administration. Given their uh, administration-wide goal on reducing carbon emissions, addressing climate, the RFS is the tool on the books to do that. The fact that they're even listening to these tired arguments from uh, a handful of refiners 
is is certainly baffling. Um, I don't want to overstate, however, you know, we haven't necessarily gotten confirmation from anyone official that uh, there's any reason to be concerned. We, we have seen media reports, but, you know, we, we have advocates on Capitol Hill reaching out to this administration, you know, advocating on our behalf, questioning what the administration is up to. Um, I don't want to I don't want to overstate and say that this is, uh, you know, a, an area of concern, but it's certainly a delay that is harmful to our industry. It's harmful to everybody in the marketplace. It's harmful to our feedstock providers. So we would hope that the administration would, would act quickly, put the rule out, demonstrate growth in the in the loopholes for refiners and put us on a path towards uh, uh, predictability and certainty with, within the biofuels market. Right. As you mentioned, there's this lack of certainty because there was a rumor out that they were going to lower the levels. And I know you feel for biodiesel, they're not high enough to begin with, let alone uh, you don't want to see them lowered. So you're dealing with a lot of uncertainty on this. That's absolutely right. And, and unfortunately, uh, administrations of bolt stripes when setting volumes for biomass-based diesel have consistently set the volumes below what the market is actually producing. So it, it hasn't been as effective as Congress had, had uh, hoped when they passed the law, and that was to, do, to drive additional gallons. So we're hopeful that uh, we can finally put to bed these arguments that the, the, the production of biodiesel and biofuels uh, harms refiners and provides some growth. You know, the, the, the president and his ag secretary, both when, when traveling in Iowa and other, other areas throughout the Midwest, committed to support homegrown biofuels that are, that are lower carbon and advanced biofuels. So all I'm asking them to do is, is stick with their commitment uh, and support our industry and utilize our industry to help them achieve their goals of both energy independence, uh, petroleum reduction, and obviously uh, carbon reduction uh, to address climate. Yeah, we have seen administrations in both political parties do this very same thing, publicly pledge support for biofuels, and then when it comes time to support the RFS, they've manipulated it, they've uh, kind of, uh, you know, haven't really strongly supported it. So we've seen this from both sides of the aisle. That's absolutely right. And I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that one day we'll see a, a president who's uh, got, got the backbone to, to live up to their promise. But not only that, but to say enough is enough to this refining industry. This, this law has been on the books for 15 years, right? They, they're an obligated party. They know what their obligation is. And the fact that they have done everything they can to undermine the program, skirt the law, use political influence uh, to, to promulgate mistruths about how they're being affected, enough is enough. And, and I would hope that this administration, one that is singularly focused on reducing carbon, wherever they can, would recognize biomass-based diesel reduces carbon upwards of 75% compared to petroleum. Ethanol is close to 50%. If, if they waver now and, and bend uh, on this program at the behest of petroleum refiners, how can anyone, you know, any innovator out there in the economy who looks to this administration for carbon reduction policies, how could you have any faith in them? If they're, if they're going to undermine our industry at this critical juncture, how, how would anybody have faith that this administration is going to stick to uh, their policy goals and policy objectives anywhere else? So that's the question I would pose to this administration. All right, Kurt, thanks a lot. We'll wait to see uh, when that announcement comes. Appreciate it. Good to talk with you. Always glad to be with you, Mike. Have a great day. Take care. Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. So 
We haven't seen officially that they're delaying the announcement of the RVO levels, but uh, that's, the, that's being reported. And here we are almost to the end of July, and we are still waiting for the levels to be announced for this year, let alone next year. So um, way behind. We've seen this happen before, but now there's a chance it could get even later, perhaps, than usual. So we'll continue to watch that and get more reaction. All right. We're in Decatur, Illinois. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. We'll bring you up to date with the conditions here at the show site, plans for this year's show, and crop conditions around the state of Illinois. That's all coming up. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, for the second month in a row, the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer declined, falling 21 points below a month earlier and the weakest sentiment reading since July of 2020. Here to talk about it is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Michael, what's your takeaway from this? The index of current conditions and the index of future expectations fell but the index of current conditions fell much more steeply. And we think one of the reasons why the index fell so hard is if, if you look at when we surveyed people in mid-May and then the week of June 21st to 25th, both corn and soybean futures price fell dramatically. If you look at the, the soybean futures, we saw a drop of about $2.50, very large drop from mid-May to mid-June. There's the nearby corn futures dropped about $0.80. Cents. And so even though the prices are still relatively strong, certainly those prices are weaker. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Every day, DTN and progressive farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at dtnpf.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit dtnpf.com today. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover key tar from your 80s cover band? 
Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're in Decatur, Illinois at the Farm Progress Show site. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. We're joined by Matt Youngman, National Events Manager for Farm Progress, host farmer David Bricks, and NK agronomist Craig Mackey. All right, Matt Youngman, it's getting close now, right? Uh, Final details getting worked out? It is. It, it's getting close. You can you can kind of feel it switching from planning to implementing, you know, and then you pull on site this morning and there's there's tent structures up. The shipping and receiving tent is up and filled. Uh, you know, we, we've unloaded our semi into the shipping and receiving tent and the dock is up and operational. There's the if you know what you're looking at, the media tent is up and topped. The varied industries tent uh, skeleton is up and the. FBI building that we've talked about, you know, that, that building that's going to go up and down during the show so they can show off the Q-Lift system, that is that is there. The the All the architecture is put together, and, and we were just talking that part of the part of it is roofed, and we'll see what they're going to demonstrate with that. And when I pulled on the grounds, first thing I noticed was alfalfa was cut. Not bailed, but yeah. cut, David Bricks. Uh, yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, it, uh, it's been a rough week, as we all know, with the haze and uh, with the, the atmospheric smoke and, and then the humidity and, and these little gracious pop-up showers that happened to uh, grace us last night at, at 4 o'clock. That was, uh, that was lovely. So, yeah, it's, it's real difficult to make hay in those situations. Well, that's the tried and true way, right? To get yeah. rain, you, you cut hay. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was always told, but it, you're supposed to do it. That's when you cut it, not when it's ready to bail. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that just added – we're kind of behind the – time frame here because like you just said it's right around the corner so we want to get another cutting off or we have to get another cutting off let's put it that way so either we're going to really shortcut or or we're going to be pressed for time so a lot of people in the west say don't complain about getting a rain because they can't get any it seems like but but and you've had enough rain here corn looks really good it does you know like i said except for the the drown spots but you know that uh, we've we've right here we've had right about 11 inches in the last four months four weeks so you know we're not as bad as some so and it was kind of stretched out so but we did get a pretty good flood there on that first go around and and we've had some quite a few uh spots so but other than that you know the show corn it's all tiled so it looks fantastic you know it, there's no spots in it and uh it's moving right along because the challenge there you're you're you have to have that ready to harvest during the show so you have to kind of plan for that and it looks good for yeah. the show, right? Yeah, realistically, I mean, it's it's the week before the show because you know we absolutely we actually take out more corn before the show than we do during, you know, with with the tune and tune up and and then getting everybody the chance to get their machines ready and then clearing out for riding drives and and uh, stagings and all that other stuff. So you know, it's really it's really even that week before the show is 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 uh, really heavy on the corn time. So that even puts it another week. You know, thankfully, you know, two years ago, we was, I think it was one of our earliest shows ever. And that really, that, you know, that extra week can make all the difference in the world. You know, we found that back in, in 2015, I believe, where, you know, we couldn't harvest at all the week before. So we made the call and then, 
And then come a Wednesday of the show days in that last week, it had just cooked and we was ready to go, but we had already, we had already put a, a stop to it. So, you know, one week makes all the difference. Well, this year it's almost one of our latest shows. So that gives us that extra week, which, you know, is, is, you know, everybody's like, well, it's just a week, but that makes a big difference sometimes in drying corn. Soybeans look good. Yeah, they do. Uh, they're, they're short this year. You know, I mean, our, our, our cools early hurt us. And then, uh, you know, our enlist beans and stuff like that, that didn't, we didn't, and then whenever it, it, we got some damage from it with the cupping and stuff, and then we didn't get any rain during that period either. That's when we was dry for the four or five weeks, and it just kind of sat there, and it didn't didn't come out of that, and we didn't get our growth early. You know, yes, it has, you know, it's taken off now, but they are considerable shorter than what we've had the last two or three years, and then, and then we, likewise, we got spots, so uh, drowned it out. So, you know, optimistic I, I i i definitely don't think we have the bean yields here we have in the past couple of years you know but i think our corn you know where it's where it is it's you know and not drowned out i think it could be just as good or better than what we've had craig Mackey, nk agronomist with us you cover a lot of illinois have you seen similar to what you just heard him say yeah the uh the early pollinated corn that we've seen south uh, the crop looks really good. Uh, a lot of retailers are very pleased. Their customers are happy. Uh, you know, beans everywhere across the state has has just struggled. Uh, and it was that early stress we had. Now with the rain, uh, it seems like the beans, you know, it takes them a little longer to get going. Uh, it seems like here after a month of uh, the right weather, now they're finally starting to take off. Uh, it seemed like overnight the beans went from being these little short, stubby plants so then they're tall, they're starting to bush. Uh, we're seeing some canopy happening and, and uh, a little bit behind, uh, but uh, they're starting to be able to metabolize things a little better. You're seeing a little more of that yellowing disappear. You know, the beans are finally starting to take off. So uh, they're still flowering right now. So there's a long way to go on a lot of the beans. August is a critical month on beans. It is August. Now, you know, right now we're getting a lot of these. Every morning is wet. It's It's, you know warm it's humid it's got a dew on everything it's great for beans in august so there's still potential on the beans we're going to talk a lot more about crop conditions throughout illinois uh david bricks overall as you're sitting here just a little over a month from the show um i've, I've sat with you past years where it, it, we were in uh, in panic mode almost at this time but this this year has been uh it's gone pretty smoothly hasn't it yeah it really has i mean uh Everything looks looks good. I mean, as far as show site and we're ahead of schedule. You know, the only question, you know, we're ahead of schedule on corn, I believe, and and uh, you know, planting is is ahead of schedule as far as you know what I've had in the past, and and uh, it's you know my biggest concern, biggest thing that I always, like I said, always get worried about is that is the parking areas, you know, and and trying to get that stuff because you know that that that's where the where you don't really have a leeway and stuff like that. But, uh, um, we've always, we've always had it done. So, uh, sometimes it's at midnight on Monday night, but, uh, where we've been out there picking up, Hey, but, but hopefully we don't have to worry about that this year. So we'll, we'll, uh, get some, get some little dryness, a little more, uh, sunshine and, and, uh, and we can move along with the, the rest of it. But yeah, as far as everything goes, it's, you know, moving right along. You've been checking some of those ears out there. What are you, what are you finding? Yeah, we, uh, I mean, as, as all early corn, you can't expect, you know, what you would with our full season stuff. So, 
Um, but we've been pulling some ears and, and, and really, I mean, row count has been phenomenal, you know, minimum of 16, but most everything's 18 to even 20, uh, you know, and, and early corn is just a little shorter, uh, but, uh, you know, most of it's filled out, but, you know, and, and, and you'll have some little smaller kernels. So we'll need that later in August, you know, to finish kernel fill. So, uh, that'll help out a bunch on that early corn, but, but as far as what it is, you know, we, we, we planted this corn in, in back in 05, and it was an entirely different weather year in 05, and it struggled. But, uh, you know, we, we, have, we are not seeing that now. This stuff is, you know, I, if I would guess, you know, we, I don't think we've had a day over 95 degrees either here. So, you know, we haven't had that super high heat that would really, you know, suck the life out of it. So, you know, this is, I suppose this would be considered our summer is more what it's like where this corn came from so um so it seems to be thriving pretty good really for for uh, what we're asking it to do you know m- moving in central illinois where where he would much rather be up north so matt yeah you got to have the corn that's ready to harvest earlier than you would normally harvest here in central illinois yeah and david mentioned you know we we had uh, over the course of a few cycles, we'd planted some later and later and later corn, and we just kind of kept pushing it, trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to run that fine line of having really good corn for the combines to run in, but have the corn be dry enough to where it still makes for a good demonstration for, for the exhibitors. And, and so we kind of took a step, um, you know, I, it's probably a step back, not a step back, but we, we made the, we purposely made the hybrid an earlier hybrid this year, just so that, you know, we could just darn sure have demonstrations. There's a lot of years where we're counting heat units and we're looking mm-hmm. at the forecast and saying, man, we got to hit 85 every day between now and show to even pray to have a demo. And, and you know, you start talking about defoliants and, and a bunch of things that ruin the test weight. And, and so, you know, this this change in maturity that we did for, for 2021, I think it's, it's you know it it's gonna ding the yield a little bit more than what we have had before but we're gonna for sure i think david can probably help me confidently say that we're for sure gonna have field demonstrations at at the show this year so and and that's that's so critical a lot of the things that david mentioned about the work that goes on ahead of time we we got to have open spaces to do the things we do we'll talk more about it i know david you have to leave thanks for being with us and we'll see you soon all right we sure will all right we're in decatur illinois at the farm progress show site our farm progress preview brought to you by syngenta back with more on some of the plans for this year's show and talk more crop conditions in the state of illinois farm progress show coming august 31st september 1st and 2nd stay with us you're listening to aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature, the feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now, imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. 
love it, or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org love. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. On the corn front yesterday, export sales numbers were weak. Very hot temperatures are expected over the weekend. Next week's forecast has little rain paired with high heat for Iowa and the western corn belt. On the Board of Trade, row crops are trading lower this morning. September corn trading three and three quarters lower at 560 and three quarters. The December contract down a nickel at 556 and a fraction of a cent. For soybeans, the August contract down five and a fraction at 1411. The September contract down three and a fraction at 1365 and three quarters. For wheat, Chicago wheat September up a penny and three quarters at 694 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat September up three and a fraction at 657. Minneapolis spring wheat September down two at 902. The December contract down two and three quarters at 889 and a fraction of a cent. Cattle benefited from lower grain prices yesterday with similar support possible today. Support also coming from higher box beef prices. Choice cuts gained 90 cents with select cuts up a dollar. However, cash activity was not what we wanted to see as business was done at lower prices. Trading may be limited today as the cattle on feeder report will be released after the close. Hog futures remain in an uptrend, but positive fundamental news is hard to come by. Looking at lean hog futures on the Board of Trade, the August contract down 20 at 106.45. The October contract down two at 91.70. For feeders, August up a dollar at 159.20. September up a dollar five at one sixty one seventy five. For live cattle, August up seventy cents at one twenty one fifty. October up sixty seven at one twenty seven thirty five. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 156 points, the Nasdaq Composite up 26, the S&P 500 up 19, crude oil in New York, the September contract trading 33 cents lower at 71.58 per barrel. The U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're back here in Decatur, Illinois at the Farm Progress Show site. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. Host farmer David Bricks was with us earlier. He just had to leave. He's telling us that uh, they had a great wheat harvest here, 96 bushel 
So they were happy with that, Matt. So, uh, I mean, we think of the uh, the years we've been here in the past and struggles, and you were worried about getting things ready for the show. It's nice to have it on schedule. It's still a ways to go, but it's on schedule. Still a ways to go. And, and you know, a lot of those things that you – you it's funny, you and David were talking, and, and you've mentioned before that when – when you guys are talking about a wheat field or a hay field, it's 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 a crop to him, and it's a it's a place I'm gonna I gotta do things. So, getting the alfalfa off or the wheat off, that is where all the equipment setup takes place, right outside the dock there. So, you know, a lot of the tillage tools come in in pieces, and they need a place to stretch out with forklifts and assemble things. That's what we do with that that area that we put to wheat because we just beat the heck out of it. All you know between now and and showtime, we're just gonna beat the heck out of that 30 acres. And then, you know, him, him picking up bales on, at midnight on Monday, the day before the show opens, we've still got to turn that into a parking lot. We got to get row markers out there. We've got to get sponsorship signage, information signage, get, get, you know, get the golf carts into place. And so it's a, it's a, it's a big system that relies on everything working. And when the wheat comes off on time and the hay's cycling at the right, right rate, and I, and, you know, we know that. Hopefully we'll be able to roll some combines pretty close to media day, which is the week before the show, to start getting some, you know, getting some machines tuned up and at the same time opening up areas for ride and drives. Um, the autonomy demo takes open space. Uh, overflow parking, which I really think we're going to need this year. We're going to have a, a really good crowd. Um, we need to, we need to. We need Mother Nature, and we need the crops to agree with us on that process. Yeah, those are the things you want to have happen. We know that it doesn't always work out that way, but uh, this year looking good so far. All right, Craig Mackey, NK Agronomist with us. Take us uh, through what you're seeing throughout Illinois and part, uh, even part of Indiana as far as crop conditions, some of the disease issues you're starting to see. Well, we've got a potential for a great crop here, Mike, and uh, pollination's going well. The weather's been great. You know, we haven't had that that 95 plus degree you know weather that we sometimes get in July that can ding pollination so we've got the potential for a really nice crop uh, granted we had some early stress so you know maybe that's going to take a ding on some of the very top end that we could have seen but uh, the potential is still there for for uh, good yields uh, disease wise you know we've had uh, almost petri dish weather you know, it's almost ideal for disease pressure. You know, it's been moist in the mornings. Uh, it, we've had some pop-up rain showers, like David mentioned earlier, that have come through. Uh, with a lot of good ground moisture out there right now. And, you know, last time it was dry when we last spoke, and, and we got that excess of rain to where, for some areas, it, it, it was stretched out, was decent. But then, you know, they might have had three or four days where they got an inch, 15 minutes every day at a certain time, and it just inundated everything. So uh, you see uh, southern Illinois, you know, the, the blights, the gray leaf spots are, have moved in uh, two weeks ago and they were getting hammered. Uh, northern Illinois, uh, we saw some tar spot pop up and you see that closer in the Wisconsin area. They're, they're fighting that, but so far it hasn't moved south, but conditions are right for it to. So we, we really want to watch and keep a close eye on disease pressure. You know, we've talked about the fact that the spray rigs are running and, and fungicides going on. I think uh, a lot of farmers see that, you know, fungicide is, isn't a tool to, to so much. It, it, it's there to save bushels. You know, my save my potential. Used to, a lot of people talked about it being, oh, you know, make more bushels. Well, let's save the potential out there. And that's where a lot of the fungicides going on. So uh, we're seeing frog eye pop up in soybeans, you know, a lot of bacterial 
uh, streaking, a lot of bacterial blight showing up, uh, things you wouldn't normally see in certain areas. But again, when you have uh, 70 to 75 degree weather overnight and it's, it's, it's the leaves are wet in the morning, it's the perfect petri dish of disease activity. Yeah, a lot of planes, a lot of helicopters oh, in the air. Uh, everything. I mean, you know, as I mentioned before, a lot of retailers have, have uh, maybe they haven't normally had to clean out their spray rigs and use ground rigs on soybeans, but you see them everywhere the, this year. And it's just because the, the list is so long for the planes, a lot of guys don't want to wait. Uh, I've seen Heggies running through corn, you know, because they're tall. Or, or, or some of the taller machines. I, I mentioned Heggy just because I, it came to mind, but uh, that brings along some other issues. You know, we're right in the middle of a uh, uh, transition for silking, so we're seeing a lot of corn rootworm beetles, you know, that are popping up, so traps are going out. Uh, depends on where you're at for that, too. You know, the rootworm beetle count is very important. Uh, a lot of farmers will claim they don't have rootworm problems, but every field I've been in, you can find beetles in every, every silk. Japanese beetles. Japanese beetles are out, although they haven't been as thick this year as what maybe I've seen in the past. You see them out in the field feeding, but there's been areas in the past where I've seen them almost defoliate a mm -hmm. soybean field. And, and I really, yeah, you see one here or there in the, in the cornfield on, on a silk. Uh, haven't seen a ton of silk clipping where I've been. Now, I'm not saying it's not out there. could be localized. But where I've been, I haven't seen it. Uh, and, and the... The, the rootworm beetles are, like I said, they're coming on strong. So I put a trap out uh, at a plot that I have at, uh, at our Growmore site. And, you know, a couple of days later, I happened to be there again, and there were already several beetles in the trap. So they're coming on strong. I think we're going to see some counts this year that, that uh, growers need to be prepared, preparing themselves next year for that rootworm control. I know, Matt, when you look at, uh, you mentioned you think it'll be a good crowd at the show, partly because you didn't have it in person last year. But when you have good crops in the immediate area, uh, now you're going to draw from outside of Illinois, certainly, but when the whole state is having a pretty good crop here and prices are pretty good, too, that does uh, kind of tend to lead to good attitudes and moods to for those coming to the show. It, it does. It's... Um uh, it's a it's a little bit of a perfect storm, you know. If if you think about the fact that that there's been two years worth of product introductions that have come out that nobody's seen in person, literally haven't you know stand next to a display or stand next to an interactive tool or stand next to an implement or a tractor or combine sprayer head shoot whatever you know there there's a new thing. Uh, you give somebody you give a company two years without really standing in front of farmers, they're all going to have something new here at the show, and then you couple that with the really good prices. But I think what you said is most important. Even when prices are bad, a good crop makes for good attendance at the show. You know, farmers, they need the money so that they can do this again next year. They need the money because the banker needs the money. But what they want to do is grow a good crop. And they feel like if they've got 260 bushel corn or they're, you know, if 200 bushel corn is good corn for them, if they've, if they've grown that, they feel like they've done a good job and it, it generally helps their mood. Whether that corn is worth 350 or 550, it, they, they feel good growing a good crop and, it, and, and show attendance typically re reflects that. So if you've got no shows for two years, good yields coming, good prices, you know, that's, you know, and it, it that, that all adds up to a really good farm progress show. I know you're watching closely the news about uh, the virus and uh, cases, in some cases, uh, 
we're seeing spikes in places. You're talking with the health officials about that, right? Yes, staying staying in close contact. Uh, actually, had a call yesterday with the folks doing the Illinois State Fair and the DuCoin State Fair, and you know, just just staying in touch with all the people that that are tracking this right along with me because you know that's that's their job. I, I think we're still going to be fine. Uh, you know, even if the numbers continue to go up a little bit, I still think we're going to be okay. A lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, the average farmer is 58 years old. The average visitor at the Farm Progress Show is 56 years old. That is the that is the audience that, for the most part, has already been vaccinated and has been vaccinated for quite a while. So the good majority of our crowd, just because of the age demographic, is going to be going to be vaccinated. And, and I think... Um, you know, because of the outdoor nature, because of the openness of the event, I, I don't, I don't see where um, this is, this is much of a concern. Again, uh, let's talk about the area that you'll draw from people from several states. Yeah, th- so, so typically the majority of the crowd is going to get up in the morning, drive to the show, enjoy the show for the day, maybe stay overnight, but for the most part, they're spending a day, big day at the show, and then they drive home tired. Uh, that night obviously we get a ton of campers and those folks are making two or three days of it Um, and and we typically pull from about 47 to 49 states depending on um, depending on the year but um, yeah the the good majority are are midwest growers and then um, folks from all over the country a lot of dc a lot of new york city for wall street um you know, and and then uh, if there's one area of the show that I think we can confidently say will be down, it'll be international visitation mm-hmm. because you just the folks that that would be coming to the show from overseas have not been able to get a clearance to get either get out of their country or get into the U.S. Uh, or get home. So uh, I would I would expect that to be down, but but that's just kind of a temporary COVID-related blip, and I would expect that next year in Boone it'll be that'll be right back up and running. All right, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd, the gates will open at what time each day? 8 o'clock every morning. Get tickets in advance, right? Absolutely. At the website, you can buy them in advance, get a $5 discount, get that fast pass to get in real quick. You seeing a lot of people doing that already? We are. That's really really booming. As soon as we publish that, the the advance tickets, because we're going to ask folks to give us their information coming in for, for, for background or not, or for, you know, contact tracing in case we need it. Uh, the fast way to get past that is to just go ahead and do it online ahead of time. You can just buy your ticket now, and that ticket is good for Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whatever you, whatever you want to come to the show. So, um, you know, you can buy that ticket right there online right now. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, some final details about this year's Farm Progress Show and a little bit more about crop conditions throughout Illinois. Um, We'll kind of compare north and south and central and uh, what uh, Craig Mackey is seeing, what he's focused on now as we wrap up July and head into August. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. 
restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, the CEO of RCAF USA, Bill Bullard. Bill, the other issue that this administration is taking on, and USDA is going to have this investigation and seeking information on what to do with meat labels. Are you encouraged by what you're hearing and seeing so far from USDA on this? Well, we're certainly pleased that USDA is now interested in doing this. But the problem is, is the problem that USDA is addressing, and that is that uh, currently the government allows imported beef products to be unpackaged and repackaged and then USDA label placed on it. The reason that problem exists is because when Congress repealed the mandatory country of origin labeling law, they also repealed the provision that said all foreign meat passing through U.S. Customs and Border Protection must retain its foreign label through retail sale. So the real solution here is, again, Congress. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com 
backslash field posts. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, as we wrap up this Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta, broadcasting from the Syngenta, uh, from the uh, Farm Progress Show site. I was going to say I'll be broadcasting from the Syngenta tent during the Farm Progress Show. Hope to see you here as you uh, come this year. If you get that chance, stop by and say hello. Uh, we're talking with the NK agronomist Craig Mackey. And Craig, talking about what you're seeing around the state of Illinois, you've said you've seen a number of fields uh, where the or you're seeing double ears. Yeah, there's there's certain hybrids that you know show a little more flex in their ear size and ear 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 set. Uh, you get out not only on the edge of the field, you'll see them of course along the edge, but you get out in the field, you'll see some double double ears popping up. And I've had some questions about that because you know in the past. Uh, I know, you know, my dad was always concerned seeing double ears because he always assumed that second ear was going to rob from the first ear and it was just going to hurt yield or, or it was just going to be a few kernels and it was going to steal nutrients. Uh, I believe that the modern hybrids, they've got a total different nutrient curve today than what they did 25 years ago. And, and uh, a double ear, as long as that nutrition is, and fertility is in the field and that plant can continue to feed itself, uh, you know, that, that second year in a year like this year uh, has got a good opportunity for producing good kernels without taking away from the primary year. And uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know anything. Don't read anything into this statement. I'm not a research <laughs> breeder guy. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me as a producer that double ears doesn't become a common thing out there in the industry in the future if we're going to see corn yields achieve and go past this 300 bushel mark uh you know as we get into more advancements of of the ability to manipulate our our technology uh and our breeding you know it just it wouldn't surprise me just it's a layman talking you know you talked earlier about shorter beans but we've we've got some really tall corn in well Illinois. yeah through the that's just mad i'm just talking now over in that western part of the state you know it doesn't seem to maybe have have happened as much but boy you just draw a, a band right up route 51 i-39 through the central part of the state uh clear down to southern illinois to northern illinois the corn just seems tall now it hasn't seemed to have affected a lot of my ear placement heights that i've looked at uh, the, the that ear placement on the stalks, yeah, it might be a little higher, but an inch or two, nothing noticeable. But it just seems like it really stretched out here uh, with the rains and the, you know more recent up to tasseling to where uh, this corn has has looks a lot taller to me than what it in the past, as I remember certain hybrids being, uh, to the point where I've questioned it, going, is it? normally this tall because i don't recall it being this tall and and uh it just is stretched out between the nodes really we've had the moisture to do that and the heat to do that uh it's just been prime growing season so uh 
but like I said, as long as those ears don't get really high, that's where I get nervous is when you get a really high ear placement and we've got a stalk that has just overgrown. Well, now we've opened ourselves up to issues with, with wind damage, catching that heavy ear and breaking a stalk off. But I haven't seen that. So right now I'm very pleased. A uh, little extra leaf matter above the ear stretching out and capturing some sunshine isn't going to hurt us. Uh, it, it'll help us, help help save that yield. So, uh, But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've seen right now. And overall, stalk strength, root mass, all looks to be pretty decent. Just going to have a good finish, right? We need a good finish. So let's, and you know, and as David mentioned earlier, a little pop-up rain shower, it's late July. How often do we, you know, usually this time of the year, the door has closed on the rain and we're hoping for some late August rains to help mm -hmm. finish a crop. Yep. And we're still getting some. Yeah, we got some heat moving in now, so we'll see how this finishes out. <clears throat> Matt, uh, final uh, thoughts on some of the things people will see at this year's Farm Progress Show? Well, the announcements uh, continue to come out, new products that are that are being introduced. Uh, Fent just, just announced that the, the new Rogator, the Fent Rogator, is going to be unveiled at the Farm Progress Show. It's actually going to be unveiled at Maggie the week before Farm Progress Show and then and then make its way down here for the for the general public to see. Uh, and, and that's just one of hundreds of, of new product introductions. That's just the one that hit my inbox most recently. I, I think... You know, the, some of the highlights, obviously, the field demonstrations, we've talked plenty about that. We're going to have all kinds of stuff running out there, and I, I, I can't go without mentioning autonomy because that's going to be one of the big buzzwords. And, you know, those, those five things that you can't miss at the show, one of them is going to be, you know, taking in that autonomy and experiencing it and, and kind of beginning to see a vision of what that might look like on your farm and, you know, appreciate this segment that Syngenta sponsors, Syngenta Square, you know, they're, they're, they are sponsoring the big entry signage at the, on the way into the show. Um, lots and lots of good partnerships that, that make this thing happen. And, and it's, it's getting to be that time where um, I need to about start my gratuity tour and start thanking the state patrol and, and or state police and the Macon County and the host farmers and the Richland Community College and the Decatur community and everybody that, uh, opens up their community for us to to start putting this show together. Will the food stands be any different because of COVID? No, the the way that the way that the food stands have operated, those were COVID prepared from the beginning. The way that they do it with um, it's kind of a staged uh, setup where the folks in the back are grilling, and then there are wrappers that are wrapping the sandwiches, and then the the final food that you get is is handheld food. Um, and so, you know, the things that are affected by, by COVID precautions are buffets and, and, and that kind of thing. And that's just not the food service that you have at the Farm Progress Show. So we were COVID ready. We were COVID before COVID was cool and in terms of the food service. So it just gives you an idea of all the things that uh, you have to take into consideration and prepare for and, uh, and plan out before the show actually gets here, which is not that far away, August 31st, September 1st and 2nd. All systems go, right? Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Be here before we know it. That's Matt Youngman, National Events Manager for Farm Progress. We've also been happy to have with us Craig Mackey, NK Agronomist, giving us a look at the crops around the state of Illinois. You touch Indiana a little bit. What are you seeing there? Real quick. Uh, same thing. You know, crops look real good. They got great potential just like here. And, and uh, everywhere I've gone, you know, we're happy to 
looking forward to the Farm Progress Show, and I know it's in Jenna. We're looking forward to seeing our, our customer base come in. All right, that wraps it up for today and for the week. Our Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Syngenta. Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. Hope you'll join us again on Monday right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.